ready to talk sports with one of the leading sports journalists of today? Welcome to All Around Sports with John Inglesby. John's years of experience as a journalist has allowed him to net exclusive interviews with the top players, former players, commissioners, and owners. John and his guests are ready to give you the straight word when it comes to sports. Now, let's talk All Around Sports. Here's your host, John Inglesby. We're some America listeners. Welcome to the 202nd ever show of All Around Sports. Reach Friday at 1 p.m. Eastern Time, we broadcast live from Boston to go all around the world of sports for one hour to discuss what happened this week and what's coming up for the weekend. To join the show, the call-in number is 1-888-346-9144, or you can email me at iir at comcast.net which comes to me through my website at iirsportsoneword.com. As always, I will give you my highlights, lowlights, and bizarre news items from this past week. Also in a few minutes, we'll be joined by our weekly call-in expert, A.P. Stedham of Bama Magazine. Well, I'm going to start with my event of the week that I attended, which was covering the Travelers Celebrity Pro-Am Golf Tournament on Wednesday in Cromwell, Connecticut, right near Hartford. This is my fourth year covering the Travelers, and it gets bigger and better each year, including the Celebrity Pro-Am, which once again brought in the big names from the world, uh, from the entertainment and athletic worlds. Uh, the list of luminaries included Matt Lauer from the Today Show, Comedian George Lopez, ESPN announcer Chris Berman, as well as New England-based sports icons like Doug Flutie, Andre Tippett, Tim Wakefield, and then UConn legends like Jim Calhoun, Ray Allen, and Gino Ariema. Additionally, there was Stephen Goskowski, a great golfer who happens to be the New England Patriots field goal kicker. And I can truly say every one of them was just amazing. I was on the 18th hole, as most of these uh, celebrities and athletes, former and current, exited the field and... uh, They were all just very impressive signing autographs for the many, many people who were asking, taking photos, including selfies with all the spectators as they kind of left the 18th hole and they march up a hill after having finished their round. And it was just really uh, terrific to watch. You can see all the photos that I took on my website, as I said earlier, which is iirsportsoneword.com. But it was just, again, very gratifying to see. And I'm not just talking, you know, I'm talking, you know, dozens of autographs and photos. So it took each of them, you know, five, ten minutes just to march up what was the equivalent of a 40, 50-yard little hill uh, heading up towards the clubhouse at the end of the round. So it's really, I've seen it before, uh, but this year, you know, even better. And just really a great take. Huge crowds turned out for this Pro-Am. I've been to a lot of them. Uh, This is one of the better ones that I've ever been to. And again, each year it just keeps getting better and better. 
I also had a chance to speak with uh, Patrick Harrington, the golfer from Ireland, as he uh, after he had completed his round in the morning, his pro-am round, and he was uh, practicing. No surprise, these golfers practice like there's no tomorrow, so he had already played his pro-am round, and there he was early Wednesday afternoon back on the practice uh uh, you know, on the practice area, hitting drives, chips, what have you, and putting. And uh, so I caught up with him. Uh, I'm of Irish heritage, so we really had uh, a terrific conversation. I could not have been more impressed, and he is a big fan of travelers, as is Keegan Bradley uh, from New England. He grew up uh, just a couple towns over from where I'm speaking to you at this moment, outside Boston. And he actually competed in what's called the Tri-Valley League, which is, uh, includes the town that I'm in, Medfield, Mass. He's from Hopkinton, Mass. And uh, then he also spent some time growing up in uh, Woodstock, Vermont. So a true New Englander, as any of you know, he's a passionate follower of Boston sports. And as he said in his press conference after his Pro-Am round, so uh, early afternoon on Wednesday, was that, uh, number one, he loves coming home uh, for this tournament. Uh, feels a little added pressure because there's a lot more people, friends, family, what have you, come out to see him. And uh, and it was also, you know, talking about the U.S. Open, which is just completed, which was great, just to get his uh, fresh perspective coming out of, uh, out of the state of Washington and Chambers Bay. And also had a chance to talk to him uh, for a few minutes alone after the uh, press conference. And he was just terrific, very friendly, and interested to hear uh, hear that I come from uh, near his hometown of Hopkinton. And uh, so it was just a terrific event, just a great day all around. The weather was an absolute classic New England summer day, 85. Uh, hardly any humidity, and a nice payoff for those of us who suffered through the uh, worst winter ever here in New England. So again, Travelers does a great job, and tournament's underway. Keegan Bradley had a really good round yesterday, went six under on the first day of the tournament. Uh, Bubba Watson had an even better round, going eight under, and he's a former champion of this tournament. I think it may have been uh, Bubba's first ever PGA tournament win, Travelers, a few years back. So shaping up to be a great weekend down in uh, Connecticut and uh, should be a lot of fun. My highlight of the week was the NBA draft last night. It was uh, from the Barclays Center in Brooklyn where the Nets play and just a great, great event as always, it's just I've uh, been to a few NBA or NFL drafts and really nothing like an NBA or NFL or any draft night. Tonight we have hockey getting underway, uh, NHL. Uh, to see and feel and hear these athletes uh, achieve their dream, i.e. of getting drafted and paid uh, right before your eyes, is, is really truly something special. 
there's a little minor uh, surprise, you know, at the number two pick. Uh, Carl Anthony Towns was number one, no surprise there. But then D'Angelo Russell was the number two pick by the Lakers over Jaleel Okafor from Duke, where he helped lead them to a national championship. So it was, uh, you know, mild surprise and added a little drama. And then it just rolled from there. Kentucky, again, big winner. John Calipari was beaming. And uh, as Kentucky, you know, uh, I think they were the first team ever to have four lottery picks uh, from the same team. And uh, I guess you can best sum it up by saying, you know, Devin Booker was chosen uh, 13, and he wasn't even a starter for Kentucky, and he was the 13th pick in the draft. Tells you all you need to know about the talent coming out of Kentucky. My low light of the week was the umpire who failed to make a call in last Saturday's Max Scherzer attempted no-hitter for uh, the Washington Nationals. It was literally down to the last strike. Uh, Two strikes, two outs in the ninth inning of what would have been a perfect game. Scherzer threw a pitch. Pirate leaned down and it hit him his elbow. Clearly leaned into the pitch, in my opinion, did not attempt to get out of it in any way. And umpires hold discretion to, uh, you know, to not call it a hit batsman. And uh, they cho- he chose not to do so, which uh, I thought was just an awful non-call. Scherzer did go on the next batter to get the no-hitter, which was great, but uh, perfect games are a lot more rare, and he had one, uh, in my mind, snatched from him. Don't blame the Pirate. As anybody knows who listens to this show, I'm a, I grew up near Pittsburgh, so I'm a huge Pirate fan. Uh, he's just doing his job, trying to get on base in any way possible. But the umpire should have stepped in and, uh, you know, said, you didn't try to get out of the way, and this at-bat will continue. My bizarre story of the week was uh, seeing that Herschel Walker is apparently going to be given a tryout, as it were, uh, by Dan Quinn, the the coach of the Atlanta Falcons. Uh, Herschel is 53 years old. Uh, He was on a sports show recently where he talked about uh, being in football shape. It's appropriate that the Falcons are the ones giving him a chance since he is the all-time University of Georgia legend, to say the least. And uh, I think it's great. He's done a lot of things since football. He's in great shape, UFC fighter. And uh, we'll see how that turns out. But it should be fascinating to see Herschel if he is indeed in training camp at literally age 53. It's uh, stunning, uh, but I love it. I love it. So we'll see how that develops. So now, as my former co-host, Lemont Williams from Outside the Huddle, likes to say, it's time to pay some bills. So let's take our break. And next up will be our weekly call-in expert, A.P. Stedham, Bama Magazine.
Now you don't have to stay linked to your desktop or laptop. Take Voice America on the go and listen anywhere. Get our mobile app for iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android at the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. Sports and medicine go hand in hand. Quite simply, if you aren't up to your game health-wise, you won't be up to your game on the field. That's where Bruce the Sports Doc comes in. Dr. Bruce Grossinger uses his medical training and experience to bring you a link between sports and medicine. From the latest advances and treatments to discussion behind the injuries of the week, Bruce the Sports Doc and his team of guest experts are here each week to lay it on the line in terms that you can understand. Tune in every Tuesday at 5 p.m. Eastern, 2 p.m. Pacific on the Voice America Sports Channel. If you think you've seen online TV before, let us surprise you. VoiceAmerica.tv is online now. The leader in live Internet talk radio has done it again. Multiple channels, a state-of-the-art viewing experience, live and on-demand programs streaming 24 hours a day. It's exactly what you want, when you want it. VoiceAmerica.tv. From health and wellness to business, sports, and everything in between. Discover our new world. Visit VoiceAmerica.tv now and experience the future of online television. VoiceAmerica.tv. We're making it easier to listen to the Voice America Talk Radio Network live wherever you go on iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android. Download it from the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. You're listening to All Around Sports with your host, John Inglesby. Become a part of today's show by calling 1-888-346-9144. That's 1-888-346-9144. Or by sending an email to iir at comcast.net. Now, back to the show. Voice America listeners, welcome back to segment two of All Around Sports. And I am your host, John Inglesby. To join the show, the call-in number is 1-888-346-9144. Or you can email me at iir at comcast.net. And it's that time of the show, and we often have guests, and on the line with us is our weekly call-in expert, A.P. Stedham of Bama Magazine. And, A.P., how are you doing today? Oh, I'm doing very well, John, very well. Just down here in the Gulf of Mexico today. Ah, that sounds nice. My favorite body of water from having lived on the Gulf Coast of Florida back in the day. <laughs> Good flyer today. So I'm glad to hear you're there. Uh, so, another... Interesting sports week, and why don't we just pick up with where I left off on the previous segment, since you're an SEC expert. Uh, I found it interesting that Dan Quinn, the new coach of the Atlanta Falcons, is uh, inviting Herschel Walker, age 53, and Georgia all-time legend, to training camp for the Falcons. It's certainly appropriate, given his uh, his Georgia background. Uh I loved it. I actually watched a show a week or two ago. It might have been uh, one of the sports shows, and Herschel basically said he was in shape right now to play in the NFL, and looks like Dan Quinn might give him that chance. So I think it should be fascinating. John, I would never doubt Herschel Walker. I mean, he's 53 years old. He looks to be 23 the way his body is in shape, and he's kept up with those push-ups and sit-ups and pull-ups. And the only thing you have to question, you know, is maybe his his uh, maybe durability, you know. And then I'm sure he's, he's running, so you know, at great speed, and him at good speed, just about as good as anyone else. 
Correct. Now, if I'm not mistaken, he's currently a UFC fighter. He's done a few different things, all physical, uh, since he left football. But uh, I think currently he might be a UFC fighter, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, he's he's on that circuit, I believe, and uh, he doesn't take any prisoners. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Um, yeah, he's an impressive specimen. Always has been. I mean, you know. Uh, I don't think anybody's ever burst onto the scene like Herschel Walker did as a freshman, you know, and frankly, you know, good example, Johnny Manziel. I mean, I know he won the Heisman as a freshman and uh, had his own version of bursting on the scene, but boy, nothing compared with Herschel Walker, as you definitely will remember like I do. Oh, oh yeah, John, I, I can remember reading about him prior to his freshman season, and I happened to be listening to the game, listening to the uh Georgia-Tennessee game that evening when he ran over Bill Bates, and the announcer just was beside himself with this young phenom coming out of South Georgia. He came from one of the smallest schools in the state, and I always, I kind of always use Herschel Walker as an example. When you're looking at talent, I always kind of relay that story to people and say, look, when you're watching Herschel Walker running in South Georgia and some of these small, tiny schools, you don't need to watch much film. Yes, exactly. I mean, you know, you used the right word, phenom, because he was an absolute phenomenon, to say the least. If I remember correctly, he led him to an undefeated national championship in his freshman year. Is that correct? Correct, right. They played Notre Dame in the Sugar Bowl, and uh, then at the time, President Carter was in attendance, and they beat Notre Dame. I don't think, I don't know if they've ever played Notre Dame to that point. I think it it might have been the first time those two teams had met. Exactly, exactly. And then uh, I remember that game now that you mention it, and I certainly remember what I believe was the next year's game, his sophomore year, when Penn State beat them in the Sugar Bowl for Joe Paterno's first ever uh, national championship. Uh, you know, undisputed, let me put, it, put that word in. He had a few disputed ones prior to that, but 1982, I believe Herschel's sophomore year, Penn State bottled him up pretty good and, you know, beat him in the national championship. Am I, am I remembering that all correctly, AP? Yes, yes, that's true. And that was uh, Todd Blackledge. Uh, I remember him throwing a long pass on the sideline, maybe Greg Garrity or something Greg like that. Greg Garrity. Yeah. Absolutely, Greg Garrity. You got that right. Uh, very yeah. good. And, and, uh, um, Joe, Joe Paterno was hoisted on the shoulders of his players and came across the field to. Um, Congratulate Ben Stewley. And it was, it was a good ball game, but they, they certainly did tie up Herschel. I mean, Georgia's passing game was not anywhere near the way it is today, and so they were able to bottle him up. Yeah, and they, and indeed they did. And, uh, you know, and then, if I'm not mistaken, after that, he shook the sports world at the time to its very core by leaving school early to go to the USFL, uh, which was. One of the biggest stories of the 20th century. There is no sports stories of the 20th century. There is no other way to put that. That was so gigantic. I'll, I'll never forget it. I even remember who broke the story. Of course, the legendary Will McDonough at the Boston Globe broke that story, and it was stunning at the time. Yeah, I always thought to myself, if he stayed another year, he would have rewrote the uh, Tony Dorsett's record book. Right. Exactly. Uh... So, yeah, Herschel Walker, I mean, you know, a true 
American sports legend over literally the last 40 years, truly. Um, so fascinating. So if there's one person based on the history we just discussed that you don't want to dismiss at age 53 in an NFL training camp, it would be Herschel Walker. There's no question. Yeah, John, he's kept in shape all these years. He hasn't let himself, uh, be, be, you know, fat is not a word you use around Herschel Walker or any, any extra weight. So he's always been one to stay active and fit. It's been part of his lifestyle. So that's why I say that I would not, uh, you know, prejudge his chances. Uh, I would not bet against him. Exactly, exactly. Uh, well, It'll be fun to watch. And another thing that was fun to watch last night was uh, the NBA draft. Uh, Kentucky, as usual, the big winners. I felt that John Calipari was beaming like I've never seen him beam, literally. Uh, you, you know, four, I think the first ever team to have four players picked by lottery teams in the history of the NBA draft, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, I think that's correct. Maybe North Carolina, possibly. Uh, but, uh, you know, John Calipari, he can really look the families of those players in the eye and said, you know, your your son, by coming to Kentucky, he literally maybe, for some of them, changed the direction of their the, the history of their family. Correct, and that's exactly how I look at it. You always – I know you look at it the same way, and it's so true, uh, you know – Two words, generational money. It's just that simple. (laughs) Well said. (laughs) You know, and when you're talking that, that's just, you know, nothing else needs to be said. John Calipari really gets that big time, the big picture, so to speak, and not about, you know, who he's going to field next year. Next year he'll do what he does every year, which is field another great team, probably a lot of freshmen and, They'll get drafted next year. So it's just, uh, you know, pretty remarkable phenomenon that he has going on down there. It's, uh, it's impressive. It's an assembly line, but he has perfected the art. Yeah, he's the master of that one-and-done system, John. No one is even – I can't think of anyone even close in the history of college basketball. Right. Plus, I think all you really need to know is, is that he's been so good at it, so successful, and such a trailblazer who openly talks about it, by the way, which I give him credit for, uh, that, you know, Coach K has somewhat followed in his footsteps and, you know, is no surprise doing it very well himself. But, you know, he had three players, three freshmen, Coach K did, from his national championship team, all left, all drafted, uh, by lottery teams, well, not by lottery teams, but uh, I know Justice Winslow and Jaleel Lurkafor were, and then later uh, their their guard was. Um, right, Ty- Tyus, yeah. Ty- right, Tyus, exactly. So, you know, if Coach K is doing it, you, you know, that even helps legitimize the whole process even further. And uh, a mild surprise at the top of the draft when uh, – Ohio State's D'Angelo Russell was chosen second over Okafor. Uh, The Lakers took Russell, and then, of course, uh, no surprise, the 76ers immediately followed by taking Okafor. Uh, So mild surprise, the Lakers' history has always been to go with big men, from from Wilt to Jabbar to Shaq, 
but they, you know, they surprised pretty much everybody when when they made that second pick. Not a total shocker, but a surprise for sure. Yeah, I think so, John. Uh, I spoke to a few scouts before the draft, and they, the first name they said to me was D'Angelo Russell. They really liked him. They they liked his versatility. They played either guard position. He was, he had he was a, he had a sense, you know, they were, they had their sense of him was he was tough, and uh, he's a guy that can uh, flourish alongside Kobe Bryant. You know, take him under his wing, and he could be a franchise player for somebody for years to come. Yeah, well, it's clear. I mean, you know, I talked about the Lakers' history of tremendous centers, all-timers, but, you know, they also have some all-timers with a lot of versatility like Russell, uh, namely Magic Johnson and, and of course, Kobe, uh, not to mention Jerry West as a true guard back in the day. Um, So, yeah, uh, this, you know, D'Angelo Russell is interesting. I saw a fascinating piece on sports science about his passing ability and i guess that's really his differentiator uh is his truly unique passing ability but he can do it all uh, you know in other areas of the game too so uh yeah he's got to be psyched going to la i mean that's like you know uh gonna be spectacular to watch him so they they must have just loved what they saw and you know ohio state i mean you know okafor Towns, you know, household names going deep into the tournament. But Russell, you know, went under the radar basically until draft talk started. And then all of a sudden he was like the talk of the town, it seemed. Yeah, he he most definitely was. And you mentioned, you know, the 76ers and Okafor. John, what do you think you're going to do with those public big men they have there? I mean, everyone else is trying to maybe their small ball game and Philadelphia went big again their third straight year right yeah so they have Nerland's new Noel from a couple years ago from Kentucky another one and done uh the guy Joel Embiid from Kansas both have had injury issues haven't seen a lot of either of them in a Sixers uniform it's impossible to figure out what the Sixers are going to do they're just uh utterly impossible I don't know that they know what they're going to do, but, you know, they've been all over the place uh, in the last few years with these picks and trades and whatnot and having, you know, horrible years to boot. So it should be interesting, that's for sure. Yeah, I mean, and I'm not saying it's a bad thing, but it's just puzzling if they're going to manage all those big people together. Yeah, I mean, the question on everybody's mind is uh, very simple. Do they have a plan? If they have a plan, it's, ne- it's, not, it's not been voiced and it's not apparent. Uh, so hopefully they do. Yeah, because they, those are pretty good players. And, you know, if they can stay healthy, you can, you can do some damage. You can force the other team to play your style of basketball. Oh, yeah. I mean, now that they've got uh, Okafor, you know, you have to sit back and say, boy, if they ever put those three on the court healthy, as you said, they could be awesome, right? I mean, you know, it's like, you know, kind of makes your mouth water as simply a basketball fan. The three of those lined up, it would be incredible to see. Right. Uh, you get on the side on there, you don't have to coach every play. You just say, all right, get a low. Get it, get it to the big fella. 
<laughs> exactly. Uh, any one of the three will do perfectly fine. Um, <laughs> yeah. Well, AP, we got a lot more to talk about, uh, but we're already at the first break. So uh, we'll take that break now and get to some of the other stuff on the other side. out what's happening on the Voice America Talk Radio Network by keeping up with us on Twitter. You can find us at Voice America TRN. If you think you've seen online TV before, let us surprise you. VoiceAmerica.tv is online now. The leader in live Internet talk radio has done it again. Multiple channels, a state-of-the-art viewing experience, live and on-demand programs streaming 24 hours a day. It's exactly what you want, when you want it. VoiceAmerica.tv. From health and wellness to business, sports, and everything in between, discover our new world. Visit VoiceAmerica.tv now and experience the future of online television. VoiceAmerica.tv. Do you love sports talk? Can't get enough sports talk? Have we got a show for you. It's about the NFL training camps, Super Bowl previews, a look at the new starting quarterbacks, and weekly key injuries. We'll take your calls and emails right on the air. Former Philadelphia Eagle James Loving is your host, and you never know who'll drop by for a co-host spot or an interview on the spot. Tune in to Loving That Sports Talk with James Loving every Wednesday at noon Pacific time 3 p.m eastern time on the voice america sports channel get the news on our shows and other happenings by following us on twitter find us at voice america trn or twitter.com forward slash voice america trn You're listening to All Around Sports with your host, John Inglesby. Become a part of today's show by calling 1-888-346-9144. That's 1-888-346-9144. Or by sending an email to iir at comcast.net. Now, back to the show. Voice America listeners, welcome back to segment three of All Around Sports. And I'm your host, John Inglesby. To join the show... The call-in number is 1-888-888-346-9144. Or you can email me at iir at comcast.net. And back on the line with us is our weekly call-in expert, A.P. Stedham of Bama Magazine. And A.P., we were talking NBA draft before we went to the break. Uh, Why don't we continue on with that, talk a little more. We have, uh, you cover the SEC in Alabama, of course, um, and since things, uh, since being up here in Boston, it's always about Boston franchises. I saw where, uh, you know, the Celtics took, uh, an LSU player, Jordan Mickey, uh, with the 33rd pick. And, uh, he was not the first LSU player taken, uh, Memphis Grizzlies took Jarrell Martin from LSU. So, uh, LSU, they have quite a history from Pete Maravis to Shaq. Uh, not surprising to see them producing NBA, NBA draftees again. No, it's not surprising at all. Um, some, some power forwards. Uh, I mean, the one that went to Memphis, I kind of liked him. He's about 6'9", 235, can shoot from the outside, could put it you know, on, the, on the floor a little bit, get to the basket. I, I thought that was an interesting selection for Memphis. And uh, it, it'll do well 
with that style of basketball they play there in Memphis, I believe. Yes, I agree. And another interesting Celtic pick, by the way, that I loved and everybody up here does love is, uh, I don't know if I'd call him one of the stars of the NCAA tournament last year, but certainly his father was R.J. Hunter from Georgia State. Not an SEC team, but uh, we'll all remember it was his father who, I believe, tore his Achilles after celebrating uh, the championship to get the team to the NCAAs. And then, of course, once they got there, he... uh, you know, he was in the, uh, it wasn't even a wheelchair, it was a, like, scooter, for lack of a better word. And, of course, his son, RJ, a serious player, very good player, hit that amazing shot uh, in the NCAA tournament to uh, advance them, and his father was going crazy in the scooter, and that may be literally the take-home image of the entire NCAA tournament. It was such a <laughs> iconic shot uh, that... He was then brought onto the desk after they lost and were eliminated to be like a commentator during the rest of the NCAA tournament. I mean, this is big stuff. So uh, I love the pick of R.J. Hunter by the Celtics. That kid is a player. Yeah, John. I mean, if you're looking for somebody to take that last-minute shot not having any regrets, no conscience, and a confident player, he's your selection. Uh, he, 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 comes, uh, he can score points in warm-ups. And as soon as he goes over half court, that's his range, literally. <laughs> well, that's exactly right. And, uh, yeah, I mean, they took him with the 28th pick, so it was their second pick overall. And, you know, just seeing him pick reminded me that, you know, when last I heard, he was, you know, there was a big debate going on as to whether he would turn pro or uh, play for his father for his senior year at Georgia State. Uh, I never heard what happened until last night when the Celtics picked him. So we, we know the decision now that he made, which was to go pro, which, again, you and I are in sync. Uh, always the right move in my, in my book. Yeah, I, w- I was really uh, happy to see him end up with the Celtics. And, you know, they need some scoring, so that'll, that'll be a good choice for them. And I'm, I'm sure his dad, another great moment for him. Absolutely. His dad is uh, about as likable a fellow as you could ever find. I mean, he literally, I literally was, you know, the star of the entire NCAA tournament, certainly in the early rounds and maybe throughout. I mean, he, he is the guy, the one guy uh, that everybody will remember from this tournament. Uh, so, yeah, and... Uh, you know, other interesting picks. I was glad to see, you know, for instance, uh, Frank Kaminsky go pretty high from Wisconsin uh, to the Charlotte Hornets. I, you know, I just always liked him. Uh, the Heat took Justice Winslow, national champion at Duke. Uh, a lot of people kind of questioned his game, but he had a tremendous tournament, and he always just seemed to be around the ball making key buckets. So uh, yeah, that, that was that was kind of a uh, Pat Riley type player, John. Wouldn't you say? Absolutely, pretty, pretty, pretty versatile. You know, very tough on the court defensively and hustles, and just a solid player. I couldn't agree more. The minute I saw him available to Miami, I knew they were going to take him. It was just you know, in my mind, completely obvious because uh, 
He is, as you just said, a Pat Riley type of player. And uh, yeah, he's a winner. He's a winner. He just does all the things that helps teams win games. Uh, and he's a star as well. I mean, you, you know, key contributor as a freshman to a national championship team. He cannot understate that, to say the least. No, no. And, uh, you know, the other LSU player, George Mickey, went up there to Boston. He's a pretty versatile defensive player. Can guard different types of people and, you know, a very athletic, good shot blocker. So, you know, that was a good choice for Boston. Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, you know, so Celtics are sitting on a lot of picks, uh, draft picks this year, you know, obviously last night, but for the next couple of years. So uh, a lot of people are hoping to see Danny Ainge start uh, start to do some wheeling and dealing here and try to uh, make lightning strike twice like he did when he got Garnett and Ray Allen in one fell swoop back in 2008. So uh, we shall see. Uh, it should be interesting, to say the least. Uh, and, you know, just sticking with college hoops, it sounds like there was a big NCAA ruling in college football this week. Yeah, John, the NCAA, they, they've decided, which I think is an excellent move, they're going to allow to pay the parents uh, to go to the, the championship game. So I, I think that's a, a strong move by the NCAA to, to, sh- to share in some of those, to, to share in some of the revenue, to, so the families can enjoy their their sons and and watch them compete for a national championship, and, and it'll be a lifetime memory, and it'll be all due to the NCAA opening up the, the door. Yeah, clearly things are starting to finally loosen up. I think the NCAA has probably recognized they they were at the brink uh, with you know, teams potentially seceding, if you will, from the NCAA, starting their own organization, whatever you want to call it, governing body. But yeah, so bottom line, if you're uh, Ohio State, for instance, and you're going to the national championship game in Phoenix in January 2016, and you're the parent of a player, the NCAA will pay for you to go out to the game, meaning flights and accommodations. Is that accurate? Right. Yeah, they they, um, they started that like this past year, and, then, and they're also including the NCAA basketball, the Final Four, too, John. Oh, so excellent. Those, I didn't realize. Both. Yeah, yeah both of those uh, revenue-generating sports are going to be able to have their parents there. That's terrific, as well it should be, you know. And speaking of college sports, uh yeah, and another SEC team. Uh, I watched the end of that Virginia Vanderbilt College World Series finale, uh, Game Three, the other night from Omaha. Just great theater, you know. Virginia hadn't won in since 1955. Hard to no ACC team had won since 1955, and then uh, right. Vanderbilt was going back to back with David Price from the Detroit Tigers, formerly of the Tampa Bay Rays. In the stands, uh, he, of course, pitched for Vanderbilt before he started his pro career. Uh, so it was just, again, you know, great theater, uh, you know, to say the least. So speaking of NCAA champions, hats off to Virginia, the Cavaliers. They got it done. 
Yeah, I mean, salute to the, uh, the Cavaliers. They got it done, and, and my goodness, what is that, John? Unbelievable, 55. I mean, gosh, who can remember that? Right, not just for Virginia, for an ACC team. And, you know, without following yeah. it overly closely, I would have assumed, you know, when I think of the ACC, I just think of a good baseball conference for obvious reasons. They're, you know, they're in a good weather area of the country and, you know, uh, you know, and like many sports, it seems the SEC is kind of at the top of the baseball world as well. But, you know, I would have just assumed ACC uh, would have had a championship uh, since the, since 1955. That's for darn sure. Yeah, no, John, I never would have uh, uh, figured that it, it was that many years for the ACC when you have Florida State and Miami and those, you know all kind of teams in there. Um, right, in North ACC. Carolina and NC Carolinas State. And, and, you know, and without even thinking about it, I just have a perception in my head for no no good reason other than I assume that those teams are good in baseball. I just do, you know. Right, right. Me, me too. I had I had the same feeling uh, when when they said fifty five. I just I I couldn't fathom that number. Oh, I just about fell off my chair. I mean, they, they, when they said it, like <laughs> within moments after the championship was secured, they said that, and I just was stunned. Um, but yeah, it was, uh, you know, again, great theater, great event, uh, you know, the college world series out in Omaha for, uh, pretty much about two weeks long great stuff. Eight teams go out there and, you know, just wonderful. Uh, it was great to just, you know, be able to tune in, uh, and watch good baseball pretty much at any point for that first week. It, it was just awesome. Kind of like the NCAA basketball tournament in a way. It was just nonstop games if you chose to watch. Yeah, and it was a rematch from last year, and so that was that was fun in itself. Exactly. Well, hard to believe, AP. We're through another segment, and uh, time to take our break, but still a couple more things to catch up on the other side. Internet flagship station for sports. Voice America Sports. Now you can take your favorite Voice America radio program with you anywhere. Sign up for our mobile app if you have an iPhone, Android, or BlackBerry. The Voice America Interactive Radio Player, powered by Aircast, gives you the freedom to listen to any of our programs anywhere, live, and on demand. No registration is required. Listen to your favorite Voice America hosts and discover new ones. Download the Voice America mobile app for iPhone, Android, or BlackBerry, powered by Aircast. Visit the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. Check your feelings at the door and enter the Man Cave. Don't let the name fool you, because we're here for anybody that wants to talk and listen in. Hosts J.D. Harris and Ray Austin are here to lead the forum from the fans, former players, owners, execs, and coaches. While inside the Man Cave, you do whatever you like. We won't judge. We'll even go beyond sports to talk technology, current events, and entertainment. Tune in every Wednesday at 3 p.m. Pacific Time, 6 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Sports Channel. 
out what's happening on the Voice America Talk Radio Network by keeping up with us on Twitter. You can find us at Voice America TRN. You're listening to All Around Sports with your host, John Inglesby. Become a part of today's show by calling 1-888-346-9144. That's 1-888-346-9144. Or by sending an email to iir at comcast.net. Now, back to the show. Voice America listeners, welcome back to the fourth and final segment of All Around Sports. I am your host, John Inglesby. And back on the line with us is our weekly call-in expert, A.P. Stedham of Bama Magazine. And my pick of the weekend for appointment viewing is the Travelers Championship near Hartford, Connecticut. I talked about it to open the segment. I was open the show. I was at the uh, Pro-Am on Wednesday. It's already off to a good start with Bubba Watson leading after day one yesterday. Keegan Bradley, whom I spoke with on Wednesday in the hunt. And it's always a great tournament. And AP, we missed you this year. You have often covered the Travelers. Uh, you and I have been there together the last few years. And uh, the Pro-Am on Wednesday was, as always, spectacular. Yeah, John, it's one of the best events I've I've covered through the years. They really know how to treat the folks that cover the event. And uh, I miss being there this year, and I'm glad you had an opportunity to to show up on Wednesday. Yes, it was a perfect, and I mean perfect day, so much so that I rearranged my schedule. I was thinking of going down Tuesday for practice rounds, but... Uh, the weather forecast wasn't was shaky for Tuesday, but an, an all timer for Wednesday. So I rearranged my schedule, and yeah, I love the pro am anyway. That's when you and I typically go. So uh, I made a good move there, and it was wonderful. And uh, yeah, it just gets better every year. I mean, it's just very impressive. And speaking of impressive, sticking with golf, the U.S. Open that was about as impressive and dramatic an ending as you could ever have to any tournament, let alone a major, let alone our country's national championship for golf. AP, I got to tell you what I was thinking. I don't really have a horse in the race. I, I like Jordan Spieth a lot. Who doesn't? I like Dustin Johnson a lot. But, and I was going to pick this as my low light of the week in the opening segment. I was so disappointed that Dustin Johnson missed that final putt because I was completely excited at the prospect of Dustin Johnson and Jordan Spieth playing 18 holes on Monday, uh, and we get to watch. It would have just been, in my mind, terrific theater. Let's not forget the last time we saw this was uh, some of the greatest golf in American history, which, of course, was Tiger Woods on the uh, an injured Tiger Woods going head-to-head with Rocco Mediate in La Jolla. Uh, and it was just, you know, the 2008 U S open and, you know, you, you never forget that day. And I thought we would have been in for another one of those unforgettable days last Monday. Yeah, John, I was mesmerized by a few things, uh, last Sunday. Number one, the competition on the course itself was riveting. And then also the terrain and the design of the, of the course, 
fascinated me. Totally fascinated me. I mean, you know, I like, I like different and it was different. And I know there's, you know, a lot of harsh criticism out there. Uh, I'm guessing Dustin Johnson himself probably wasn't thrilled with the putting surfaces uh, on those last three putts. Uh, and, you know, from Billy Horschel right on up, a lot of people were really voicing major complaints loud. And, uh, but I loved it. I mean, as a television viewer, it doesn't get any better than that from trains rolling by, what, 60 times a day to Puget Sound to mountains and all that. Uh, it just looked awesome on TV. And I must say, from everything I heard, probably a lot better to be watching on TV than it was to be a spectator there. I heard it was really uh, a hassle for a lot of people. It, John, it just didn't look like a friendly course to walk for the, for the average fan. You know, we're so used to being at the Travelers, you can walk all around on either side pretty much, and that one looked to be more restrictive. Exactly. I mean, we I think we all saw the Tiger Woods, you know, falling kind of down the hill, and I'm guessing there was a lot of that going on. I, you know, there was all kinds of stuff, you know. I guess there was five holes, if, I, if I've heard correctly, that were basically inaccessible. Uh, you know, some players telling their wives that certainly the player, I believe uh, his wife was pregnant and he told her, just don't come. It's, it's just, you know, too tough to navigate. So, you know, it's, uh, it's a tough one. You know, again, I like different and boy sitting, yeah, I couldn't get enough of it. I mean, I watched as much golf over four days as I've watched in recent memory, and the big reason I kept tuning in was more the course than anything else, at least on Thursday and Friday. Yeah, John, I, I couldn't take my eyes off the, the that last round. It was it was fascinating to watch them go back and forth, and one minute you're you're, you're getting the champagne ready for you know Jordan Spieth, and the next minute you're saying, oh my goodness, he's going to be the go to this whole thing. And then Dustin Johnson has a chance to to continue the uh, celebration of the sport the next day, and bingo, he he doesn't come through with that putt. Yes, and let's not forget Dustin Johnson was basically in the lead from the opening shot on Thursday. But, you know, if you start with, uh, you know, Jordan Spieth on 16 when his playing partner, you know, hit it practically into the Puget, into Puget Sound and went right up against a, a fence. And that took him out of contention. And Jordan Spieth suddenly has a three-shot lead. After 16, you just basically say, well, that's it. It's over. And then, lo and behold, Jordan Spieth, you know, birdies 17. And, uh, you know, or excuse me, what am I saying? He uh, double bogeyed 17. So there goes that. Sorry, uh, I was thinking a different shot. But anyway, next thing you know, Dustin Johnson, who had had a horrible, you know, really bad final round and missed a few putts on the back nine of the final round, suddenly he comes back to life uh, with a must putt that he got at 16 or 17. So combined with Spieth's double bogey at 17, he's back in the hunt. And both players hit two of the best shots you ever see each to uh, 
to get on the green on the par 5 18th, which had been a par 4 the day before, I might add. <laughs> I, I, liked, I thought it was pretty cool how they were changing par 4 and par 5 of that 18th hole. And uh, there they were, both on the green, both with a chance for eagle. I'll be a difficult putts, but make you know these guys. Anything's makeable for these guys, and uh, I thought it was among the most dramatic hours, hour or so, of golf really that I've ever seen. Again, starting with the 16th hole and Jordan Spieth, uh, 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 riveting. Yeah, John, I enjoyed it being later in the day too. Oh. Yes, I'm so glad you said that. That was the best part of it all. Yeah. <laughs> Thursday and Friday night watching live US Open golf at eleven o'clock yeah. at night. Right. That 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 was just as good as it gets. Yeah, and like I say, I, I hope they have it there, you know, maybe not in the next year or two, but just I hope they have it there sometime down the road. Me too. Again, you know, I just really uh really thought it was different. Unique. Obviously, it was more a link style course than uh, an American course for the U.S. Open, and uh, you know it already got me excited for the British Open coming up in a couple weeks at uh, at St. Andrews, the the home of golf. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it was kind of kind of St. Andrews there in the Northwest. Correct. Well, I was uh, I actually watched last year's British Open in Dublin, Ireland, on TV. Literally right across the bay from across what I believe is the Iris Sea from Liverpool, Royal Liverpool, where it was held last year. So, uh, you know, I've always loved the British Open, and now I love it even more after literally being in Ireland as Rory McIlroy made his charge <laughs> to take the lead that Friday afternoon, as I've said many times on this show. One of the true great sports bars experience of my life. Uh People in Ireland treat treated that like we would a Super Bowl here. It was like incredible to 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 witness, uh, you know, firsthand. Uh, so yeah, uh, it's going to be great. And Wimbledon starts Monday, so uh, yep, it may be a dead time in sports, but thank goodness for uh, the European contribution starting Monday. Oh yeah, those, those are always great events. The United States is always welcome. Uh, those events into their home and watching them on television, they've enjoyed them throughout the years. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, AP, we'll talk about them both on next week's show, but hard to believe for now. This week's show is come to a conclusion, but as always, thanks for calling in and thanks for your excellent perspective. Well, thank you, John. It's always my pleasure. All right, and now is my former... Uh, and now, as always, thank you for listening to All Around Sports, and we look forward to doing it again next Friday at 1 p.m. Eastern Time. Thanks again for tuning in to All Around Sports with your host, John Inglesby. Be sure to tune in again next Friday at 10 a.m. Pacific Time, 1 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Sports Channel. Have a terrific weekend, and we'll talk sports again next week.